Alright man, one thing I like to do to start things off is uh, I like to open up a beer, crack a drink. Uh, so I nice. have a mango mosaic here. This comes from Colorado. I just thought it'd be a cool vibe because I saw all those photos of you out in the caldera and like chilling and I was like, that's kind of cool. So I was like, ah, this sort of fits. Nice, nice. That's what's up, man. Hell yeah. Beautiful. I usually would smoke, but uh, where um, I'm at a beach house in the in Oregon right now, there's like a lot of wildfires and shit. So um, I can't really go smoke how I want to. <laughs> I feel you. It's fucking polluted as hell outside. Oregon's pretty crazy right now between, I mean, obviously coronavirus and the protests, and now you got wildfires between California and Oregon. That That's, you guys are in living in a strange time over there. Yeah, man. it's It looks really fucking like apocalyptic bro like just really crazy and in some some cities it's like the whole city is it's it's orange or red you know like they got a fucking red light on the city you know what i'm saying yeah so it's it, it really looks crazy but um uh yeah some cities have it really bad man uh some of the smaller towns are having to evacuate and stuff like that but at, at this moment uh, where I'm from, Portland is pretty safe, and I'm over. I'm in. I'm at the coast right now, but I'm gonna be headed home tomorrow. So hopefully, you know, what I'm saying things will things will get better. But shit is wild, man. Are you from Portland originally? I am. I am. I lived in Portland for majority of my life. I was born in Portland, but I lived in Cali a little bit here and there growing up. But yeah, I'm from Portland. What was the rap scene like growing up, or the music scene growing up like for you? It was, man, it was like, it was like a club that I wanted to get into. It was <laughs> like, a, and you know, they welcomed me in. Um, when I first started making music, I used to go to, they had a, like a Salvation Army Community Center. And uh, they had like a um, a really, I, w I don't want to say really low quality, but it was not the best quality. <laughs> they had a studio there. And um, I was in middle school and everyone else recording there was in high school. So they kind of already um, knew people in the industry, uh, knew, you know, who was who in Portland. So I would go to the South like every day after school, um, going to record music and just listening to everyone's stories about artists I hadn't met yet, artists who um have t taken it way further the older artists the younger artists and it was like a it was like a dojo man like a learning experience there and uh i heard a lot about this dude cool nuts who i work with a lot now but he's a he's a legend in portland people always just talk about him and um my home my uh my my mentor mike crenshaw uh started booking me for shows early like eighth grade ninth grade He's he's a legend in Portland as well. He's actually from Minneapolis, but he spent the last twenty years of his life in Portland. Um, and so it was it was very welcoming and and uh, yeah, man, it, it 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 was like a club. Everyone knew everyone. Everyone was trying to introduce you to everyone, and you have to meet this person. You don't know this person yet, and um, yeah. So it was it was definitely a community. There was there was competition, you know, steel sharpens steel, and uh, 
yeah, it's, it's what I came up in. I've been around artists since I was in middle school. I like the way you describe that, like a, like a dojo. So you've been, in yeah. the, you've been in the scene since you were young, young. Like this is you grew up with it, for sure. Yeah, for so, sure. So now, now I mean, we could fast forward. I was stunned when I was like, "Holy shit!" This dude opened up for Dead Prez, Immortal Technique, and I know, yep. I know, you're like, got to be like the biggest rapper in Portland right now, or coming out of Portland, or what's the actual term that you use to like? For sure. Well, what's crazy is. Dead Prez, how I said that my my mentor, Mike Crenshaw, was booking me for shows. I opened up for Dead Prez when I was in high school. Wow. Yeah, I opened up for Dead Prez, Immortal Technique, and D12 all before I was 21. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so, um, but right now, I would say, honestly, I'm the biggest artist coming out of Oregon, the biggest independent rapper coming out of Oregon right now. Um. Because there's a, there's some people from my city that are um, that are signed and they're doing their thing, but it's a little bit different when you have that that machine behind you, that label behind you. But right now, I definitely feel like in Portland, I'm like I'm like the people's champ. Mm. Um, I feel like when I'm talking to you about it, I can be a little more a little more honest. I feel because you're not from Portland, so I can kind of like just give you the real and. I think honestly, because I, 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 I'm humble and I just don't throw stuff in people's face all the time, but I've worked with, cause I have my own collective, I have my own label. So there's like specific artists that I'm always working with, but outside of my label in Portland, I'm, I've probably worked with the most artists outside of my label. I've booked, cause I do a lot of shows. I've booked the most artists outside of my collective, outside of my label. So I think that in Portland, that that kind of speaks to who I am—the fact that I've worked with more artists than anyone else in the city—and um, I just feel like I'm the most beloved. Even even if you know artists may be, you know, quote unquote, bigger than me or things like that. Um, in my city, I'm the most loved. I'm the most known. Like if we went around with a clipboard with artists' names on it, like which artists have. <laughs> most people are going to know who I am. So um, I think I hold that title of there's just the most prominent, the most prolific independent artist coming out of Oregon right now. I don't, I always say rap and hip hop because I'm not sure about the independent, you know, like uh, punk bands yeah, or because yeah. I know there are some punk bands doing their thing. There are some jazz players really doing their thing. But I really think out of Oregon, I'm one of the biggest independent artists of all time coming out right now that's a that's a big distinction and i noticed like a lot of people don't look at rap and hip-hop and like appreciate the longevity of a career they look at like you know these tiktok rappers that are like spitting one or two hot rhymes and they make a music video and it's a dope video and then after that there's like a downfall but not a lot of people are appreciating like the longevity of a rapper that like you see his progress going up and down through the years and you see the phases and and, and stages that he goes through or they go through for sure. And I think um, it's good to appreciate it myself because a lot of the times people can't like celebrate those victories with me because it's like you say, they're looking for that guy who's like, he just got a hundred million plays on his video. Now, well, my God, like for me, 20,000 plays is a big celebration. <laughs> 10,000 plays. I'm like, wow. Like, because not a lot of people in Portland are, realistically 
consistently getting 10,000 plays, 20,000 plays, even five, 7,000. It's hard to get people to click on your link, you know, 7,000 times or slow down when they're scrolling 10,000 times, 3,000 times. So um, sometimes I have to celebrate those type of victories. Just it feels good to celebrate them on my own because people don't always understand really how hard it is for one to be heard on that level and for two i don't think they really understand the work ethic even some artists you know that's why they're they may just go get the google ad and then they get their 10,000 20,000 plays like that which is dope i have nothing against that um it's always good to do advertisement things like that but when you can just put something out and just watch it grow because you know people organically really rock with you and really show you love it's it's a crazy feeling so yeah i don't i don't think a lot of people do really appreciate the marathon and you know rest in peace nipsey i really learned a lot from mm-hmm. hearing artists like him talk about it didn't happen overnight for me nothing worthwhile happens overnight and i would listen you know just interviews and interviews and interviews of just my favorite artists and a lot of them would say that you know some people do pop in the interview is is not so detailed and when they ask them yo how did it happen they're like i don't know i posted my song it blew up the next day and that that's cool but i'm always interested in the stories of like yo i was in the studio this year and that year and i had to go here and i traveled here and i had to do this show and that show and promote myself so it definitely is like something that people are learning more about and i think they'll appreciate more later but it's something I have to celebrate myself a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's also like, you know, you rise quick, but you fall quick also. If you have that steady yeah. grind and you're constantly producing stuff, I also think you can sort of expand as an artist. You know, you, you do music, you do the videos, you do all that stuff. And now, I mean, you have La Familia, which is a, a sweet uh, clothing brand you have going on there. So expanding all that stuff, it just comes over time and constantly grinding it out. For sure, for sure. And um, yeah, all those things really helped with expanding my brand and um, fan awareness. And I think even in my city, as an artist, as a rapper with a clothing line, I think because there are other clothing lines in my city that are pretty big, but they're literally clothing lines. They're not like an artist's merch. It's like someone really their passion is fashion where with me, it was more like the clothes came from the music. So out of all the clothing lines in Portland, uh, like mine is up there with, you know what I'm saying? The heavy hitters in the, in the clothing game. And that's not even necessarily my expertise. So the clothes definitely changed the game. And that, that happened probably like really heavy, like 2018. I just started to my wife and my brother were really pushing me like, you have to have merch consistently. You need clothes. Um, and so, yeah, that that changed everything. And, and actually, and I want to say 2019, I don't know because I haven't, uh, I have a store, but my store hasn't been open because of COVID. Right. But we opened the store um, probably the beginning of 2019. And so, yeah, all of it, all of the growth um, 
it really came gradually. And sometimes I wish like, man, I, I wish I would have, you know, been doing clothes 10, 10 years ago, but it was good to grow with it and, and be ready for the experience when it happened. So, yeah. I want to get back to the fashion, but I want to also go back to what we were talking about before because uh, I read that article from the Willamette Willamette Week with about that. Oh, rapper. the Willamette. Yeah, about that rapper Win and about uh, I guess I mean rightfully so. You were kind of pissed off that they listed all these rappers, didn't include you, a guy who's been grinding out for years. But it yeah. also kind of tied in a bunch of other issues where it was like there seems to be some sort of like cultural and uh, racial divide in Oregon that I was not aware of. And you mentioned that in, sure. in your music a lot, and I was like, huh, it's very interesting how it all sort of like correlates. For sure. Um, Oregon is 3% black. The whole state is only 3% Shit. black. Yeah. And the reason being, a lot of people still don't know or agree, or I don't know why they wouldn't agree, it's just what it is, is because in the northern states, Oregon was one of the only exclusion states. So while you had, you know, slavery legal in the South and abolished and outlawed in a lot of the Northern states where black people could come and live way back in the day, you know, um, 1800s, stuff like that, um, early 1900s, Oregon was an exclusion state to where black, it was supposed to be a white utopia where black people were not allowed to live, period. So black people weren't allowed to legally live in Oregon until 1926. So it's Whoa. just that, yeah, it's just still like hints of that culture because 1926 wasn't that long ago. So um, there's that. And then uh, I think a lot of people are in denial about the history of it. So with the Dear Willamette Week, the song I wrote, uh, dissing the Willamette Week, uh, it ruffled a lot of feathers and a lot of people didn't really understand what I was saying and why I was saying it. And um, yeah, I, I worked, I, I'm clearly one of the biggest artists of all time in Oregon history ever. So I would write the Willamette Week press releases since I was a kid, you know, since I was a teenager, because that was always a like a dream of mine. I would, I would read the Willamette Week and I would sometimes see... Uh, hip-hop artists or like a dope spread of this punk band and them going to the show and, and be just being good journalists and i was like yo like what if they did this with me because i'm i'm doing shows and 200 kids are coming out like this is you know I'm, I'm just like this punk band so i would write them press releases all the time and i even called up there one time and um it was always just they always kind of gave me the runaround or didn't answer emails and they would write about all these artists. Some of them were actually my peers. Some of them were actually young artists that I mentored and, and helped out. So I would see them writing about these artists and I'm like, yo, why why did they never write about me? And then of course they, they would do their list and the top. And some of those people weren't even from Portland. They were like artists who got big in Cali or somewhere else and then came and moved to Portland and they're on their top Portland artist lists. And then even the homegirl Win, shout out Win, because that, that you know she she didn't she wasn't a bad sport about it, right. and I appreciate. Right. It. Um, she's from Lake Oswego, and Lake Oswego is like a suburb outside of Portland, where like rich people live. For example, one of my uncles actually played for the Trailblazers. 
he's the only black person I ever knew to have a house in fucking Lake Oswego. <laughs> so I'm sure that there are black people out there, but it's not like even after Oregon became, you know, integrated when they changed the laws in 1926, Lake Oswego was still one of those places where you just knew you weren't allowed to go. We people still call Lake Oswego uh, Lake No Negro. Oh, so, shit. Yeah, that's like the nickname for it. And I, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there was a sign that said, you know, no black people allowed back in the day. And so her being from Lake Oswego and being able to get in the paper and being able to get all her shine that she gets, because, you know, if you live in Lake Oswego, your family is probably well off. Um, it really, It really offended me. And, you know, especially because this is hip hop, this is my culture, this is where I come from, this is, I built a lot of Portland hip hop. And so I said my piece and yo, it was so, it, people were so upset, but there was a lot of people who agreed. And um, uh, I, did, I did a music video to Dear Willamette Week. Yeah. And at the beginning, the beginning of the video, I have the cameraman position himself where you can only see the back of my legs and my feet. And so I pour a water bottle in between my legs and make it look like I was pissing on the paper. <laughs> and so that really, some of the older <laughs> white people were really upset. <laughs> like, I can't believe this, this is so vulgar. And it was like a shit storm that I started myself. And, you know, I, I got a lot of love and a lot of critique as well. And um, it, was, it was a hard time. It was like a, <laughs> a crazy time, but I always had to remind myself when I did that, like, yo, you started the storm, so you can't be so upset <laughs> about it. But uh, yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of history. What's crazy is like, people literally ride, drive around Portland with Confederate flags on flying off their fucking cars, like, you know, shit like that. It, it's 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 really wild. The racism is is really alive, but. Um, yeah, when she she's a big artist out here. She's a big artist out here, and she showed love. Like uh, a lot of people sent her that song, and she hit me up, and she just straight up was like, "You know what? I do have white privilege, and it's not my intention to um, outshine anyone or cast a shadow on anyone, but it is what I have." And 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 she actually showed love, man. She introduced me to Damian Lillard. Um, she gave me some opportunities. And I appreciate her using her platform and her privilege for an artist like me. So, yeah, it's a crazy thing, man. Did they ever, like, reach out to you and be like, hey, man, like, we read your stuff. Like, mate, let's work something out or try to, like, you know, ease the peace a little bit with you? Well, what happened is we kind of had a, a, a cool little back and forth. Right. Um, I think the people uh, the, the people watching, that their subscribers and my fans and everyone else – they thought that we really had like a beef, but I knew the writer who wrote, you know, he reached out to me to be like, I saw the diss and I'm intrigued. It makes <laughs> to me here, say your piece and we'll drop it. So when we put the article out, people were like, now they're fucking writing about you. This is, and I let him run with it for a while, you know, just let him think that it was. And then at the end of that year, they put out there like some type of a list and i was like the fucking 2019 or 18 or some shit the troll they they uh. like wrote about the troll <laughs> and so we kind of just always had a back and forth 
But um, recently, with with my song "Dear Portland Police," mm-hmm. this year, well, actually, one of my uh, they wrote about my store. That was the first time that they wrote about me without me having to diss their ass. <laughs> <laughs> they when when my store first opened, they did an article about my store, and then recently they did an article about Dear Portland Police. So they have showed love since then. Yeah, let's talk. When did you come out with Dear Portland Police? What year was that? What's crazy is I did Dear Portland Police. Let me go check because I'm I'm so. It had to be so, la- when I looked. It was like two years ago or something close yep. to that. And that's when I was like, "Holy shit!" Talk about a song that like aged like fine wine. Like that is so relevant yep. today. Yeah, and it's 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 another definition of the marathon. Mm. It's a song that just had a real life cycle you know um art is never finished you know you all you can always go back to it and so when i first released dear portland police there was already you know the movement's never been just calm there's always there's always some kind of attention there's always protests there's always police brutality and i think what sparked it in 2018 um and i don't want to i don't want to uh get the dates wrong but I believe it was 2018. One of my friends was murdered by the police. Hmm. And that's what kind of made me, I didn't do it right after, but that's what kind of inspired me to, to start, you know, thinking about, I need to do something about police brutality. My little brother was tased by the police when he was like 15 years old. Um, they said they thought he was an adult. My little brother's a pretty big guy, but uh, at 15 years old, you sh- you should be able to kind of, discern that um and so i did dear portland police and i really thought it was gonna go you know do what it did this year (laughs) i was super excited to release it and i actually because um usually i charge people for features it's just because it's my bread and butter this is what i do this is my job and so with the dear portland police i was gonna let any artist do the dear portland police for free it was like a challenge you know you could donate or you can do it for free and not that many people did it you know like some uh, some artists did it some some dope artists from my city um a comedian from my city did it which was dope my homegirl shrista uh and um so i kind of just took it into my own hands and i had a bunch of my 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 artists on my label do it and we were performing every time we performed it people loved it or you know some people didn't but you know um and it did okay. It did all right. You know, it didn't do what I thought it would do. And it, I also didn't shoot the music video, which is like usually a big part of how a song does well. Right, right. Um, and so it was just something in my catalog, you know, every sh- every show I would do it and people loved it. And then 2020, Portland, um, after the execution, rest in peace of George Floyd, Portland, there was an uprising and people really took to the streets. And like now we've been protesting for over a hundred days. And so then I was like, okay, I need to do Dear Portland Police. And one of my, one of my friends was at the protest like every night and I couldn't be there because my wife was pregnant at the time. Um, I just had a newborn in uh, July. Congrats. Congrats. Thank you, thank you. I was at the house a lot. Just I didn't want my wife doing anything. Right. Um, I would, you know, not lifting a finger. <clears throat> and so 
my brothers were at the protest and I was just feeling like, damn, that's, that feels like my destiny. Like I should be there. And I just couldn't like, it just, it was a pandemic. There was, it was crazy. People were like burning and writing. And, and so one of, one of my friends, one of my label mates, actually one of my uh, artists, his name is Roy. He was down there every night and he was like, bro, people are starting to perform. People are starting to bring speakers. They're playing local artists. Like, this is yours. You have to be here, bro. He's he's like calling me Moses. He's like, yo, you gotta split the seat. This is your shit. This is this is your people. This is what you've been t- talking about for the last two years. And so, <clears throat> one day he's uh, at a protest and he sees someone speaking, and all he does is text me the name of the speaker. He said he heard the name and he texted to me. I see the name and I don't I don't even know that he's hearing anyone speak. All I see is a name. And it's actually someone that I know. So I was like, why did he text me this name? Is this person in trouble? Um what's going on? And so a couple minutes later he texts me, This is who's leading right now. This is who's organizing. I said, Yo, that's my best friend's little brother. I've known him for years. I'ma text him. I got his number. And I hit him up. I just sent him a link to my song, Dear Portland Police. I'm like, can you play this at the protest? And he hit me back. He's like, nah, but you can perform tomorrow. So I'm like, okay. Um, and Dear Portland Police has a lot of versions. It has one with my boy, Figure Eight. He's my, my boy from Detroit, who's from La Familia. It has one with Micah Fletcher, who made national headlines because there was a crazy uh, racist dude out here who who actually murdered some people on the on the Max train, which is like our uh, like our subway. Right. And uh, my little homie was like the only survivor, and he defended some people. So there's a version with him, Micah Fletcher. There's a version with my older brother, J.C. Cordetta. And then I had a solo version. So I'm like, I'm gonna be performing the solo version, but it was written in 2018. So. The night before the show, I like wrote a new version and like made it modern. And I was rest in peace to George Floyd and just made it today. Next day, I went to a park that I grew up hanging out at a lot called Urban Park. And there was like 10 to 15,000 people there. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, biggest crowd I ever performed for in my life. I remember like pulling up, just nervous. You know, the sun was setting when I was on the way there. I, I usually listen to music when I drive, and I had Nipsey, full blast, windows down, sunset. And I pulled up to the park, and I thought that I heard, like, a, um, I didn't know what I heard. I thought maybe it was, like, the engine of someone's car or some uh, a bike driving by. But I heard just a whistling and a roar. <clears throat> and part of me knew it was the crowd. I was like two blocks away and I'm like, no, that might be a car. Like, how am I hearing this so clear? I'm two blocks away from the park. And it was the, it was the roar of the crowd. And when I got up there, it was just electrifying. And I performed the new Dear Portland Police. The crowd went crazy. And I did what a lot of, some artists disagree with what I did that day because I go to the protest to honor the people who were executed, publicly lynched, you know, due to an unjust system and racism. And, um, but I also go to tell people, you know, what we need to do today. It's not just about 
mourning. It's not just about honoring um, the people who passed, even though that's a big part of it. And so I told people, pull their phones out. So pull your phone out, make a note. S-W-I-G-G-L-E, Mandela like Nelson. Put my name in a search bar. Spotify, Instagram, YouTube, anywhere. I talk back, I follow back. And for the first time, I don't really push Spotify like that. It took me a year to get like, you know, 400 people really rocking with me on Spotify. That week, it was over 2,000 people on my Spotify. And so it's once again what we talk about, those those victories. You know, I, I didn't even... I think any other Portland artist, if they would have had 2,000 organic new listeners on their Spotify, they didn't went straight to the internet, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, screenshot. Y'all ain't fucking with me. I'm the most played, you know what I'm saying? But when I saw that number, I just kept it to myself. You know, I told my family and I just celebrated it to myself because I was just like, wow, like 2,000 people really went there, you know? And if I probably got 1,000 or so new followers and um yeah and then i was like yo it's it's the it's dear portland police's real time now and it 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 blew my mind what was it like stepping up was it a stage or was it just kind of like a an area that you performed on it was like it was a hill how was it like looking out and seeing like i'm sure it just looks like rows of people and for the first time it doesn't end you're like holy shit and i gotta perform right now um <laughs> nerve-wracking before i go up because even with five people 20 people 100 people i still have that nervous feeling but as soon as i start talking to them it's just like talking to you but it it felt like destiny it felt like something i worked for my whole life even something that was it felt like something that was stolen from me it felt like something that i was deprived of and it also felt like I was standing on the platform of my ancestors. I was standing on the platform of my people. I was standing on my own platform. You know, um, I was standing on the platform of George Floyd, rest in peace. You know, uh, Emmett Till, uh, um, uh, Sam Cooke, uh, Malcolm X. You know, this was their platform. And this is why I had the opportunity to get in front of all these people. Um, you know, one of my ancestors had to be on that boat, you know, and a lot of those people back then, there are stories of mothers who smothered their kids, who, you know, they slammed their baby against a tree on the way to that ship because they was like, you know what, my baby's not going to be in bondage. Hmm. My, my child's not going to be a slave. A lot of people don't even know that this type of thing was happening. Sometimes the chief, the leader, he would say, you know what? Tonight we're all jumping ship because we're not wherever this is headed. You know, they just cut off auntie's breasts. They just cut off, you know, the warrior's genitals to prove something to us, to show us that this is how you're going to be treated. Sometimes they would say, you know what? We're all jumping tomorrow. Well, everybody, kids, moms, every, we all, we're not doing this, you know? And one of my ancestors had to decide I'm staying, you know, so that I could be here. They was thinking, you know what? Wherever this shit goes, I'm going 
I'm going to go through that struggle. And so I stand on their platform and that's what it felt like. Like, you know what I'm saying? This is something that I did earn, but it is my birthright. Mm. Were, were you conscious of this as a, as a young kid growing up? And like, did you put, put that in your music growing up and feel you probably had it like a, a deeper connection to what you're putting lyrically onto these tracks. For sure. For sure. You know, my mom, I'm black and Filipino. My dad's Filipino. And my mom's black. My mom, I was the only one my mom really got to name because mm. my dad was, you know, he had <laughs> dibs on names. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so she went all out when she named me. And, um, you know, having the name Mandela, it was always something to just know that that, you know, that's my name. I remember my mom, she would off, off top, you know, I, I learned to read late. I learned to read like first grade. I, when I got to first grade, people were already reading. And I was trying to tell the teacher, I don't know how to fucking read. And she, the teacher did not believe me. <laughs> but I, I learned how to read from a Martin Luther King book, um, like a children's book about Martin Luther King at home. And I remember being in like second grade and being in, I think, math class. And on the way out, I saw a poster of Nelson Mandela. And so I asked my mom, because I remember she told me something about it when I was younger, but I didn't quite remember. So I'm like, I saw my name at school today and she was like oh yeah it's probably nelson mandela and i'm like i don't know if that was it she was like yeah that was probably it and she explained it to me you know that that's she named me after nelson you know and um just having that at a young age man like i think like 14 i was already like recording music that had that kind of a message in it that that revolutionary message and so and, you know, I was a fan of Tupac. I was a fan of Bob Marley. Um, I was a fan of the civil rights movement because I was homeschooled um, fifth grade. And my mom would just let me basically learn about whatever I wanted. So I would just go to the library and get a book on somebody, you know, W.E.B. Du Bois or. Um, yeah, I would just go learn whatever I wanted, go to the poetry section and see what black authors are there. And, and so, yeah, it was very it was very deep in my music. And um, my mom always was kind of like, you know, she was pretty radical, you know. Uh, I remember there was a there was a, a march for Mexicans and immigrants when I was like fr a freshman. And I remember my mom just straight up saying, like, you don't got to go to school today. You just go downtown. Like, instead of getting on the bus and going to school, get on the bus and go downtown. <laughs> and letting me protest. So I knew if there was a protest, I could get out of school, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's how I was raised. That's how I was raised. That's interesting. I mean, if you feel it in your music, you really do. You feel like that you have a message, but at the same time, I love that you can have like some good party music, some fun music. Definitely. I mean, is that Definitely. the idea of like Swiggle Mandela? Like where did Swiggle come from? Is that like some yeah. fun to it? Yeah, that's, that's actually like, and it's crazy because it, it worked out that way. Like when I first came up, when I first got the name, I didn't think of it like that. But as I performed and I always said my name, it just came natural for me to be like, yo, my name is Swiggle Mandela, S-W-I-G-G-L-E Mandela, like Nelson. The Swiggle is for the party stuff that you're about to hear. He's a lot of fun. It's real crazy. And the Mandela, my mom named me. We're gonna, we're gonna have fun, but we're still gonna learn tonight, you know, or today, whatever. And Honestly, man, the swiggle came from a big homie of mine. 
um, his name, his rap name was Swag. And you know, they call Jay-Z Jigga. Right. They call Lil Wayne Wheezy. And so people will call Swag Swiggle. And um, he was a big artist in the Northwest. He was from Seattle. And so do you know who uh, the artist from Harlem, New York, Jim Jones? Yeah, of course. Word, word. You see, I, I figured you would know. But, you know, in Portland, sometimes people don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. But, um, well, people my age know. I'm 29. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 28, uh, so I'm right there with word, you. Word, So uh, I was watching MTV Jams when MTV Jams was the shit because now it's, I think it's BET Jams and then it and then it disappeared yeah. altogether. But MTV Jams used to be the shit, man. I used to watch MTV Jams every day, just like background music. If we're not recording, if we're not you know going to sleep or watching a movie or something, we need the MTV Jams on, just studying all day. And there was a music video of Jim Jones in Seattle, and he was with Swag. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm just watching the video like, for real, right up the street, Jim Jones is just there driving around Ferraris and shit? Like, wait a minute. And the dude, Swag, he had a chain, and it had Washington, Oregon, and California, the states as a chain. That's cool. And then the I-5, the freeway that that connects them all, was like on the chain in black diamonds. And the whole chain was just diamonds. So I'm like, yo, like, <laughs> I had never seen nobody represent the Northwest. Um, because, yeah, we're on the West Coast. But when you think of the West Coast, you think of California. You know, people don't even, you know what I'm saying? So Oregon and Washington, yeah, we're the West Coast, but we really identify as the Northwest. And a lot of people do identifies the west coast you know but we're the northwest you know what i'm saying so i had never seen the northwest rep represented like that so i was intrigued and every time that video came on i would be watching it like damn that's crazy like whoever this guy is in seattle has a song with jim jones jim jones is one of my favorite artists and so i'm like this is dope so one day i'm i'm i had a job at the time i was interning for the Bureau of Transportation, which is crazy, like some fucking super like corporate move. Right. <laughs> and I'm downtown and I'd be fucking doing a show at night or recording all night and then go to work in the morning. So sometimes I'll be like sleep in my cubicle. <laughs> I remember one time I was sleeping in my cubicle and instead of being in it, I had accidentally like just swung out. So just literally just hanging out inside of the cubicle. <laughs> someone was like, yo, at least turn your chair. <laughs> but I was chilling and, and one of my homies called me. Um, my homie Tie-Dye Mackin. He's a he's a pretty established artist in Portland. He called me on my cell phone and was like, yo, I have a big opportunity for you. I'm like, bro, call me on my work phone. So boom, I give him the work number. He calls me on the office when I pick up. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, have you heard of this artist named Swag? And I'm like, I think I have. Was he on MTV with Jim Jones? He's like, yeah, that's the dude. He's in Portland looking to do features with people. He's charging X amount of dollars. I'm like, I don't have X amount of dollars, but I have this. And he's like, okay, I'll talk to him. Um, he 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 was saying he wanted to work with who was whoever was ready, whoever was dope and one of the biggest. So I, I thought of you. Boom. I meet him. I, I say, okay, we'll do it. He pulls up to my hood in Northeast Portland and on a in a Skylark on like 25 inch rims, suede seats with his name all in the seats, 
Louis Vuitton backpack, matching belt. I'm like, damn, this is crazy. So we recorded a song called Northwest Coasting. And he was big at the time, so the song did like 100,000 plays. It's like one of the only times I ever did that. But I know it had a lot to do with the homie. And so, you know, we would kick it with him all the time. He invited us to Seattle. He had two mansions in Seattle. And he was like giving me weed in a jar, just like roll up however much you want. I was 19, so I wasn't even used to this shit. <laughs> we drove around foreigns. He's taking us to radio stations. And I remember like, on the way to a radio station, we jump out and somebody called him Swiggle. Like, yo, Swiggle. I'm like, oh, that's kind of hard. And um, my older brother, JC Cordetta, started going by Lil Swag because we kind of all started really working and getting close. So when he started going by Lil Swag, my name was just Mandela at the time. But it was hard to find me, you know? Right. Like, if you Googled me, if you YouTube me, Nelson was going to pop up before me. And so I started to think about how to differentiate differentiate myself and, and brand my name. And I put the swiggle in front and that really just made it unique to where I'm the only one. I'm the only swiggle Mandela in the world. But what's crazy is, man, he, my, my boy Swag has songs with Jim Jones. He has songs with Nipsey Hussle, Juvenile. The list goes on and on and on. And that, I think it was like 2010, like that December, he was on the news and I never questioned how, why, how he got all this money. He was like on tour of 50 cent in Europe, all types of shit. And, um, I brought him to a, do a show in Portland one time. And I remember people were kind of talking shit. Some of the people who studied him and they were like, yo, dude just hit the lottery, man. He ain't doing nothing. He ain't nobody. So I never questioned him how he had all this money, you know, hundred thousand dollar change and shit like that. And he made the news, man. He was in an Oxycontin fucking ring. Whoa. And they were making millions and millions of dollars. And yeah, he went down. And um, that's when I really embraced the swiggle to kind of try to just add a positive spin to, to what happened. And, you know, he came home six years later. I think it was 2016 or 17 when he came home and, you know, changed his life around, wrote a book and, and stuff like that. Cause now he can tell the story. He's been indicted for it. It's no secret. Um, but that's where I got my name, bro. Crazy fucking that people were actually calling him the Nikki Barnes of the Northwest. So <laughs> wild fucking that's, that's where the swivel comes from. That is a crazy story. How do you write your lyrics? Do you have like a process you go through? Do you like freestyle it and piece it up? What I do is, man, I live a lot of life. I watch a lot of documentaries. Uh -huh. um, I love movies, just period. Uh, even even like kid movies. Like I love Disney movies. Um, the best movies of all time, even if I don't like it, I'm going to watch it and appreciate it. You know, like anything star wars harry potter lord of the rings these movies that are just good you know lion king whatever it is i want to watch it i want to get into it um and while i'm watching these things whatever it is anime if i'm watching something with my daughter pokemon i'm just listening um documentaries and sometimes i'll just take something from that um i'll learn something and i'll make a note um like i one time i had this bar i said this one's for for full possession of the victory. This one's for full possession of the victory. And I remember I was just flipping through channels and stopped on the sports channel just for no reason. I don't really watch sports like that. And they were playing golf. And that's what the announcer said. He was watching a dude finna, you know, get his last hole. And he was like, <laughs> this one is for full possession of the victory. You know, and I just, I took that line. 
So sometimes it's just I may hear, you know, I'm watching the Nature Channel and the the, the guy says something about the cheetah. You know, food was dangerously scarce. I might just take that oh shit dangerously scarce and take make a note of that. And um, I'll hear new words and look up the words and. Sometimes it just may be conversation. Somebody says something to me like, yo, we should link later. I'm like, ooh, link later, uh, pink pager. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just like, so I'll, I'll take stuff from conversations. I'll take stuff from life. I'll hear a word. Sometimes I may be listening to a song. I hear a word and I'm like, I'm not going to take this person's line, but I'm going to use that word. So it a lot of times it just comes from me taking notes throughout life. And then later when I'm writing, some of that stuff may be brand new. And then I'm like, ooh, what about that note? That might be the fifth bar. Right. So, yeah, that's that's how it happens a lot. Do you physically write or do you just like type it on your phone or both? Or I do both. But um, there was a while where I just went to my phone and I was just like, there was years when it was just strictly phone because yeah. I, I had used notebooks my whole life. And then I had just been ripping and running and going to the studio, that studio, doing more shows than I had ever done probably like 2013, 14. And I, that's when I was just like, I'm on this phone shit. I need my shit on my phone. But I think like 2015, I just needed that pen back in my hand. And I started to write some of the greatest stuff I ever wrote. And I write wild when I write in my notebook. Like I don't use the lines. Yeah. Sometimes I just turn it to the side. and I'll write in a circle. You know, I, nobody can read my lyrics because I write so sloppy. It's like symbols. But and sometimes when I'm writing, I'll just write the last word of the bar. Huh. So I'll just feel it in when I'm in the studio. You know, I'm like, um, rules. I'll write down rules. I'll write down shoes because I know those are the, that's the first two bars. And then when I get there, I'm like, okay, rules. Let me give you the rules. My niece and nephew going to need them some shoes. So it's like, I just know shoes and rules. Then I go in the studio and I fill in the rest. So a lot of times my lyrics will be like that. There may be maybe the half of the verse is full lines. And I know exactly what I'm saying. And then the other half is like, is just keynotes and reminders of like, okay, this is what I wanted to say, but how do I make it work? That's interesting. It's like, you're giving your brain like that, that freedom to, uh, to escape and just kind of like put what feels right in the, in that moment. You have that, that sure. freedom allotted there. Just cool to see. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you make your own beats too? Do you ever get involved in like the music portion of it? Well, growing up, I did. That 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 dojo, I learned how to make beats there. Um, that was one of the things that they had like 30 computers and it was free for kids to go up there. And you had to be doing something if you went up there. It was a community program to where you had to be learning graphic design or recording or um making beats, learning how to make beats. And so they had instructors up there to show you like a list of things, whatever you wanted to do, it was free and they were going to teach you. So I learned how to make beats up there on like FL Studio and Reason, and, uh, different things that tried in the keyboard. And so I used to make a lot of beats, but my little cousin K Prince, he's like, I think when I was 17, he was probably like 14. So he's my little cousin. And, and what's crazy is on a side note, his brother, uh, C Smooth was actually the 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 dude his group did the song Teach Me How to Dougie. That's my that's also my what? cousin. That's crazy. Yeah. So his little brother is like my little brother. Um we're cousins, but he lived with me and and that's that's my that's my little brother. 
So he started making beats at like 13, 14. And I was just like, wow, like these beats are incredible. And so he would just ask me questions here and there. Like, how do I do this? How do I do that? I just gave him a couple jewels. And then he fucking surpassed me so goddamn far <laughs> by the time he was like 16. I didn't even want to make beats no more. <laughs> I used to just ask him like, bro, can you make me a beat? And so he became that person that was the producer like man he and i still know how to make beats but um at this point i do just use mainly producers that i know i use their beats yo isn't that funny you spend like years practicing this thing and somebody just has like a knack for it you're just like oh yeah all right like you do it you let me know when you're done buddy <laughs> and i could tell too just the way you know like because when i was 14 i was decent at making beats when he was 14 it was already like incredible so i was like man if i could just show him a couple things he's gonna take off and he did and, so, and and you know sometimes i still will give him advice on beats if like he's making a beat we may make the beat together and i'm like you should use this sound or you should change this or take the bass out right here and so he's one of the most creative dudes man shout out to my cousin k prince uh yeah man he's so that's that's the story behind that that's why i don't produce no more <laughs> that's cool though um, I, it was interesting to read. Uh, I guess you posted about the the Calderas up in Oregon, and I guess those mm -hmm. were the first music video, first photo shoots out there. And uh, so I had to do some research and figure out what the hell is like the Calderas. I had no idea what it was. Like, yeah, beautiful scenery. I mean, so yeah. did you go there as a kid, and then you didn't go there for a little while as an adult, and then would you go last year or something? This year you went back. Yeah, so I went back this year, and what um. What Camp Caldera is, is basically, it's, it's a summer camp, you know, uh, uh, think like outdoor school type of vibes, you know what I mean? But at the same time, it was an arts, it was an arts camp. So that I learned video production there. I learned photography there. That was the first place I really held like, you know, that quality of a camera. I mean, my dad always had cameras, right? but really learning about it and really you know being taught um african drum horseback riding canoeing um and so in middle school they offer certain things and i knew in high school that i could sh that they offer video production because they would send the dvd home every summer and you would get to watch the projects that the high school kids did. That's cool. And man, they were doing kung fu movies, bro, horror movies. And I was like, damn, like they really made this. Like, so already in middle school, I was plotting. I'm shooting a music video when I get to high school at Caldera. And, you know, you have to be accepted every year. So I'll be like, man, they got to take me this year. Like, and you know, they, they, I went to Caldera every year since like seventh grade, you know, and, uh, yeah, I started to become more comfortable performing there because there's a hundred kids there, you know, you could perform. Um, and I started to, you know, develop an, another part of my fan base there as well because once I shot my music video, they sent that DVD home to a hundred kids in, in different areas, you know, because Caldera is not only for Portland. And the crazy thing about Caldera is it was started by the Wyden family. And the Wyden family is from, uh, from a, they have a company called Wyden and Kennedy. And they're the ones who did the Nike commercials. They're the ones who came up with just do it, the slogan. 
They're the ones who did the, the early Coca-Cola commercials. Um, so they're an iconic uh, company, just period. Um, on like one of the biggest advertisement agencies on this side of the country. And growing up, I didn't know that. You know, it's just like a camp. And when you go there, you don't go by your regular name. You pick a name. So everyone, you know, your homegirls, Angel Baby, your other homegirls, Tweety, your homeboys, Big Bird, and the other homeboys, Afro Man. You just make up your own name as a part of like a, a, a healing process that they do there to let you name yourself. And so I always knew Dan Wyden as Papa Bear. You know, I knew his brother, Tripod, who was my video production teacher as Tripod, you know, and I was from I was from the hood in Portland, you know what I mean? So sometimes I'd be at camp and it would it would fuck with me because I knew I was not gonna be able to shoot music videos when I went home. Right. So it kind of felt like a tease. And I would always be like, Man, how can I really make this my life? And I remember one time just being upset. Um I I was having a little I was sixteen, I think. I had a little girlfriend there. We had broke up, I was pissed. You're not even supposed to bring electronics. I brought an iPod. Somebody stole it. And I was just pissed. I was ready to go home. I'm like, man, I'm cussing at my teacher. I and mean, this is bad. I'm like, man, fuck this, man. I'm going home. Fuck camp. And I had already recorded this really good song because one of the counselors was playing a folk song. He performed it one night at Campfire. We go to Campfire every night and sing songs. And, you know, we sing camp songs, but we also can sing originals. He murdered the fucking song guitar crazy lyrics crazy he could sing i was like oh my god and i said yo we have to remix that song so they had a studio out there we got the african drum teacher playing on it we got acoustic guitar we're singing i'm rapping it's incredible and so my teacher's like well you're not gonna shoot your music video like you're going home this sound this is dumb i'm like man you don't know shit about my life you're some old white dude but <laughs> fuck you tell me and he's like at least let me hear the song so I, I'm, I will listen to the song, put the song on. He ends up crying and he tells me, he's like, man, you don't even know who I am. I'm just tripod. I'm just some old white guy. He's like, my name is Peter Wyden. I know Michael Jordan. I made up Just Do It, me and my brother. That dude you call Papa Bear, that's Dan Wyden. You know, we, we made Nike what it is. You know, Nike didn't even believe in advertisement and we showed them what it could do. And I was just humbled, you know, and uh, I had slack so hard. You got 10 days at camp. You're supposed to shoot, do your project in 10 days. It was like a day left to camp. <laughs> and so he ended up shooting my music video for me, editing it for me. And he was like a big inspiration in my life. I still haven't even said, seen him as who I am today, one of the biggest artists and really thanked him. Because I remember when camp ended, I was like heartbroken. Like, how am I going to keep continuing? And I went to go meet Peter Wyden at the Wyden and Kennedy building downtown Portland. And tell, I remember telling the secretary, like, yeah, I'm here to see Peter and her being like, okay, like what? And going up to his office and asking him like, are there cameras here in the city that I can borrow? And he let me borrow cameras, you know, as a young adult and shoot videos in the city and continue that. And so, you know, for a long time, I kind of got disconnected from them because as an adult, Man, I'm drinking and smoking weed all in my videos, and I'm kind of like, is this really something that, you know, I want them to see? But they understood, you know. Now I know, you know, it's legal, and and they know who I am as an adult. I just didn't know that they would. Right. And so I kind of distanced myself a little bit because I was I was becoming like a fucking rock star and and living my life, and I was a little bit, um, I think, bitter just that it ended. Hmm. 
Um, but I, I have so many people that I love there and so many mentors that taught me so much and so many lifelong friends. And finally, I got back connected, man, like last year. And I performed at their fundraiser where they raised like a quarter million dollars for the program. And I just remember performing there and I saw Dan and, you know, he probably shakes thousands of hands and meets thousands of people. And he just told me like, you know, I remember you. I know you. And he's an old dude. So he was even trying to refresh his memory, looking at me like, I haven't seen you in a long time, huh? I'm like, yeah, it's been, it's been a minute. And that's when we got back connected. And this year, I actually, for the first time in like, since 2008 or nine, I went back to Caldera and, and they had an art residency. Um, I was paid to write my new album and just live there with, I brought my mother-in-law, my wife, my newborn baby and my daughter. And man, I have some crazy stories at Caldera, man, like spiritual stuff, man, like hummingbirds flying up to my face and coyotes walking up to me, deers walking with deers. And, you know, it was it was a crazy thing to go back as an, as an adult. And especially because at camp, there's a hundred kids, there's workers, there's staff, there's people everywhere. Going back as an adult at the residency, it was almost no one there. Hmm. So, you know, I would have that. That caldera is the third deepest lake in Oregon. And I don't know if you know, but a caldera is when a mountain implodes right. instead of explodes. So, you know, just walking that land and writing my album and being there just, you know, it was really crazy. But yeah, caldera, it definitely was a huge impact in my life, changed my life. And Sometimes I'm thinking like, man, I had to grind so hard by myself. I didn't get a lot of help. I have to remind myself like, yo, there was really people who were there for me when I was growing up. And Caldera is definitely one of those places and some of those people. Wow. Yeah. That that was like so eloquently put. When I, you know, stumbled on your Instagram page and looked at your YouTube, like I try to, what I do is I like, I'll scroll down to the bottom and be like, okay, when did this guy first start doing his shit, start posting his stuff? And then I yeah. kind of go th to the middle, go to the top, and I could see, and th that's why I asked this question, because I felt like there was like a spiritual transformation that happened, and I felt it in your music, especially, and, and now it makes sense, there was like a couple shots in uh, one of your most recent music videos where like you're, there's like a deer there, and it's like zooming into the deer. I forget the name of the song. Um, I apologize. It's, 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 no, no, that's, that's the song. It's called Caldera. Yeah, exactly. So so and when I saw that, I was like, huh, this guy must have gone on like a spiritual journey. He connected with something different recently. And like I felt it in your music. It was really it's interesting to hear you talk about it and then have that, you know, visual in the back of my head and be like, oh, my God, it connects so well. I love I love things like that because, you know, it shows it shows so much growth and so much willingness to develop as an artist and as a person. And that's uh, you don't see that all the time. Some people get stuck. And they're like, you know, I do this good. I do this well. Let me just do this. And uh, all your songs are different. It's like, and I like that you can you sing a little bit. You rap a little bit. You have like yeah. Stupid Burger. And then you have, you know, Caldera. And it's like, whoa, these are like different people sometimes. But yeah, for sure. That's the beauty for of sure. it. Hey, I appreciate that. And, and the versatility definitely, I feel, works to my benefit, to my advantage. Because there are people who are like, you know, I only do club songs. I only do party songs. And I can't do that. I can't I can't do a protest song. I can't do a spiritual song. I'm not going to do a love song. And and I this is where this is my lane. And I feel that, you know, they get stuck in a box, you know, and 
they don't get the, all the opportunities that you know I can get from being so versatile. I have some songs that don't have any cussing at all, mm. and I can perform it in a church <laughs> or uh, you know a middle school, which I do. And then I have songs where it's like this clearly can't be performed in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so one of the last things I like to ask, uh, especially coming out of quarantine. Uh, what are some movies, some Netflix shows, Hulu Prime, whatever you got that you that you like latched onto during the the quarantine? Well, anime like a motherfucker. Yeah. Like I love anime. Um, Cannon Busters because it was just it it was a black it was a lot of black characters in Cannon Busters, a lot of characters of color, and you know I feel like that's a little bit new for anime, not super new, but um, it's it's not the most common thing in anime. So I watched Cannon Busters. I watched um, Carol and Tuesday on uh, Netflix. And also, I was doing a lot of um, background work and a lot of like, um, you know, the beginning of acting work uh, last year for the first time. So I I binge watched uh, Shrill on hulu because i was looking for myself i mean i'm a lot if you watch shrill season two on hulu you'll see me a lot because i i it's about uh, uh a journalist in portland and so they have uh you know the newspaper where she works at so they need people pretty consistently there to make like a real work environment they don't want to switch people up too much and so I was just one of the employees there. So you always see me, you know, messing with papers or <laughs> bringing someone coffee or something like that. So Shrill, I watched Shrill because I'm in it. Uh, Trinkets season two. I'm in Trinkets season two on uh, Netflix. There's a show called The Wonderland Murders on ID Discovery where they talk about a lot of crime in Portland. I was on that show, too. And so, yeah, I was doing a lot of acting, so I, I watched a lot of the stuff that I was in. <laughs> um, That's crazy. The, oh. the anime, I've been getting a lot of my friends are like, dude, for some reason, anime just clicked with me. I've been watching tons of tons of anime. And I'm, I'm due yeah. for an acid trip, so I might have to, like, take a little oh, hit yeah. and, like, watch some anime and just, like, be like, holy shit, I've never watched it before in my life. So maybe Hell that's yeah. my move right there. Yeah, man, for a fact, bro, anime is the shit. Uh, oh, 13th, 13th. I don't know if it's called 13 or 13th, but it's it's about the 13th Amendment. It's on uh, Netflix. It's a documentary. Incredible, incredible. Um, Disney Plus, uh, Beyonce has a movie called Black is King. <sighs> fucking phenomenal. Incredible fucking, it, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's breathtaking. That new Mulan uh, is coming out, or I think it's out already, Mulan. Yeah, I watched that too. This that was good, pretty dope. Good. That was pretty dope. Um, honestly, out of all the live action movies, wasn't my favorite, but it was dope. I liked, I really liked uh, uh, the Jungle Book yeah. as a live action. Um, I thought Aladdin was dope, with you know Will Smith as the genie. That was pretty dope as a live action. And then shit, Lion King. It wasn't live action, but it was no longer you know the cartoon that we grew up on. That's right. So I, I fucked. Yeah, I fucked with Lion King tough because I really liked when technology caught up and could make that, you know, animals more, you know, like Life of Pi right. with the tiger 
and it was clearly an animated tiger, but that was my shit. When I first started to see, you know, like Narnia and fucking The Hobbit, and they had the little rabbits running. When they first started to do the the really good CGI with the um with the animals, so I really I really enjoyed uh, Lion King. Yeah, man, I'm trying to think what else did I fuck with on on on. I'll recommend Netflix. this one here. Uh, you, have you ever heard of Sturgill Simpson? Mm-mm. He's kind of like a country rock artist. I don't. I don't want to categorize him too much because he's kind of crazy with his music. But he did this thing where he took a whole album and he set it to a whole anime story, and it's called oh, wow. uh, Sturgill Simpson presents Sound and Fury on Netflix. Oh yeah, I gotta check that it's, out. It's, it's on Netflix. Hell yeah, it's worth checking out because you've got this crazy like fusion rock music, but with an anime uh, you know action sequence. And I, that was some oh, wow. pretty gnarly shit to watch. Oh, I would say the hip hop evolution on Netflix. That shit is that shit is hard. I, I've seen that <laughs> pop up too. That looks really good. Yeah, it takes you all around. You know, New York, mm-hmm. down south, west coast, and just the the uh, essence of of all of it. The uh, yeah, man, the ethos of of, of hip hop, man, is su- super dope, super dope. Dude, so, so yeah, man, man. what do you have coming out next? What's next for you? And give everybody like where they can find your music, your clothing, all that good stuff. Um, S W I G G L E Mandela, like Nelson. Uh, type that in on YouTube, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, anywhere. Title, spot, uh, 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 Amazon, anywhere you stream music, all major platforms. Um, if you if you want to get some merch, just hit me up. Uh, Personally, man, my, my artist page on Facebook, uh, my Instagram, um, Swiggle underscore Mandela, and our website is about to be up soon, so that'll, that'll be going around as well. Um, I'm working on an album right now. It's called The Movement. Um, it's, it's pretty much written, just waiting to record it, and I'm about to do a movie. like a, uh, It's going to be like a musical, so it's going to be like six music videos connected and it'll be a it'll be a storyline um we're trying to make it very artistic very abstract uh so that's that's what's next the the movie i'm working on that i'm writing it i'm about to start filming it because um you know filming a music video that's like second nature for me i've been doing it since i was you know 14 15 and sometimes i could shoot a music video in a day and you know like dear portland police we wanted to get that out you know while the protests were happening so you know, we recorded it, boom, shot the video, boom, put it out. Um, and so I really want to take my time with something. And I think with the movie, <clears throat> it's going to take me, you know, at least two or three months. And, uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, nothing worthwhile happens overnight. And I just want to see, you know, when I put all my artistic energy, all my creative energy, what I can come out with and, you know, really give it my all and my patience. And that's what's coming next. I don't even know what, what I'm going to call the movie yet. I think it might be called La Familia Over Everything or La Familia Story. I'm not sure yet, but um, I'm working on I'm working on the movie. That's what's coming next. That's awesome, dude. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you being on, man. Uh, of course. Swiggle Mandela, everybody. That's dope as hell. Check your music out. And uh, yeah. thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Of course, and look, I only been to New York one time uh, last year. I went, I went up to the Vice Building and went around Brooklyn, and you know, met some people, and bro, shit, shit was life changing. 
life changing. One of the best cities in the world. And when, when, when people were like, yo, this is the best city in the world. I couldn't even argue with them. I'm not going to be like, no, what about this place? I'm just like, yo, you're from here. I can see why you fucking feel that way. Bro, I appreciate that. New York is real. Yes, much love to New York. Thank you for having me. Man, this has been real, bro. Much love, much respect. For sure, man. Be good. Take care, man. All right, bro. Peace.